You're listening to an Air Books podcast. Hey guys, it's Aiden of Aiden's Books, and I'm here with Mommy. Welcome to Parenting and Bonding with Children's Books. Our episodes are recorded first via video. For the full experience, check out the video interview on my Facebook page, Aiden's Books. Next, you'll hear Mommy doing the interview. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Parenting and Bonding with Children's Books podcast, where we believe that books are magic and have the power to transform homes. On this podcast, we talk to authors and anybody in the child development space about the importance of reading to our children. And tonight, we are here to talk with educator Melissa Nicole. Hi, Melissa. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've been wanting you to be on the podcast for a while. And before we get started, I just want to tell y'all how I know Melissa, right? We met on Instagram and I feel like we just vibed over our love of books, right? Yeah. Um, And so we were following each other on Instagram for a while. And a lot of my book recs actually come from like Melissa, like the things that me and Aiden have read and shared with you all um, come from her feed. So I'm actually going to drop this a little early. So just check her out um, at Melissa Nicole on Instagram because she's awesome. Um, and we met up. Can y'all guess where we met up at when we met in person? The library. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> met at the library and we talked books for a while. Wow. Let's introduce Melissa first and then I will tell y'all a story. So right. tell us about yourself, Melissa. Um, well, hello, I'm Melissa. I am an educator. I've been an elementary, middle school educator for about 10 or 11 years now. Um, I've taught in Texas and in Illinois, and currently I'm teaching first grade. I've written curriculum for my district, um, just done a few things. Last year, I got Teacher of the Year. Um, so, yeah, just... Uh, Big time educator. I love reading. And yeah, that's me. We love Melissa. Melissa reads everything from children's picture book to YA to adult, (laughs) everything, right? Her feet is full of goodness. And um, when we met Melissa, there's a story I was going to tell y'all. At the library, I was in like a weird space, right? Because I've always loved reading. I've always loved reading to Aiden since he was like in the womb. But he was in kindergarten at the time, right? Yeah. His teacher was saying something to the effect of, um, like, he's not reading at the level that I thought he was going to be reading or something like that. And um, we, I wrote, this is like, I mentioned you in a blog post. I don't know if, if you've seen it. I didn't even, like, really yeah. it. But, um, but, yeah, I was, like, so disappointed because I'm, like, we read, like, five or six books a night. Like, how is it that he's going to school and you're telling me as a teacher that he's not reading where he's supposed to be? And when we met at the library, Melissa said, so I told Melissa and she said something to me like, oh, what did you say? It's okay if they don't go in or come out of kindergarten reading. Is that what you said? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, what you're doing is you're teaching him a love of reading. And when he starts reading, it'll just go. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, girl. So, <laughs> like, 
like, we'll see. Like, I still got this teacher looking at me like I'm not doing my job, right? Right. <laughs> and so it must have been like, you know, I just kept doing the same thing. Um, I don't even know if I had the Facebook community for parents at that point. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but I kept doing my thing, you know, with Aiden. And the next time he tested, he tested like off the boards. Like it was ridiculous. And I had started seeing, because I always read to Aiden, like I do read alouds. Now he's starting like more so like we read together, but I've always been the reader. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, yeah, he right. said one day he was like, mommy, he was like, can I read that? And it was like a dinosaur book with all these like long dinosaur terms and stuff like that. And he read like a paragraph just like straight through. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was so proud of him. Like it was like unbelievable. So I think that a lot of parents, their kids are in kindergarten, they're hearing stuff from teachers and they're like, you know, they panic. Like my child is not reading in right. kindergarten. Can you share more about like your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's all due to the pressure of testing that um, kids are now expected to be, you know, reading in kindergarten. Um, I think if you kind of, you may or not remember when you were a kid or several years ago, that wasn't really an expectation. You know, they were still like learning how to share, play. There was a lot of those more social, emotional skills. And just, you know, if they knew their letters, they knew how to write their name, things like that were more the focus. Whereas I think in the last several years, it's been a push because they expect them to be ready to be testing by third grade. Well, then they need to be leaving kindergarten reading. So even in first, I, you know, I teach first grade. I still try to be encouraging the parents like they're still really young. They still have time to get it. You know, we can really talk about it at the end of the year um, if there's an issue or, or, or something like that. But most of the time it's just um, although, you know, there's a with expected average kids should be reading. Well, we know that all kids aren't the same. They learn differently and things like that. So it's, for some kids, it takes them a little bit longer. And for me as a teacher, it's okay. Um, but I know there is pressure. Like right now, there's pressure, expectation that not only should my all my students be reading, they need to be leaving me reading at almost a second grade level. Um, when they've come to me, some of them not even knowing letters and sounds. So it's it's a lot of pressure and, I, you know, you just I think that's where that comes from, um, because if they were a teacher 20, 30 years ago, you talk to a kindergarten teacher, they'd be like, what? No, we're teaching, you know, colors. We're teaching this. We're teaching that handwriting, things like that. We're focusing on more, you know, like those social emotional skills. Again, kindergarten, if they've not gone to pre-K, is their first introduction to school. So they're just teaching them how to do school um, instead of like throwing them in there. No, they need to be these great readers by the time they leave kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're five, five, five. <laughs> yeah, they're five. And, you know, <laughs> there is a lot of a pressure on the parents. And I felt that myself when I came and I, um, and I was transparent with you about where we were, because that was... For the average parent, it's hard. And then for a parent that is talking about books and the importance of reading <laughs> all the time, you know, it's especially, um, it's it's a lot of pressure. And I know that teachers feel a lot of pressure, like with, with testing and, um, and things like that. And to segue into this, 
I posted like an article, I think in a group not too long ago about teachers not having, okay. So a lot of parents feel like teachers are reading to our kids in the classroom. Like are or are not? Are. Okay. Like they are reading to our kids, like maybe like uh, stories, like imaginative stories and things like that, like picture books. And they're like, why do I have to read at home when they're being read to in school? And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've learned from you that a lot of teachers don't really have time for that, or they have to like force it into the curriculum in order to be able to read a book to our kids. Does that still stand true? I think it just all depends. I'll, you know, in our in the district where I'm at, it's part of the we call call it reading block or read aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many components to it. And then a lot of times I think. The better question is more of, um, do do the teachers want to? Do the teachers mm-hmm. want to? Yes. Is it happening all the time? No. And it's a reasoning why, and, and you're gonna you're gonna hear something from me, and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh. Um, I think because I, I don't to have a read aloud and to be intentional about your reading aloud that takes time, effort, looking for it, you know. Even though when you were a kid, your teacher was reading to you, you may have thought, oh, they just picked this book. No, they were intentional about why they picked this book. And so that takes time. Um, I'm reading some notes that I wrote. <laughs> um, so the researching the book then planning, you know, so if you want to ask questions be- while you're reading, you have to plan those questions out before you're reading. So there's a lot of stuff on the back end to read aloud to students that takes a lot of time. Um, and then finding the books can take time too, depending on the classroom library, which usually teachers have to build their own classroom libraries, Hmm. Um, the school library. And then that can come with its challenges because a lot of times districts are really kind of, they have a budget and they have a time when they can buy things and, you know, books come out all year long. So if you want access to certain books, sometimes you either have to buy them or go through your public library. Well, then that also takes time to go pick up the book. It's just a lot of time behind it. I think teachers do want to, but it's, it's to have really good engaging books. It's hard to, and it's really time consuming. Um, and I, I have always been the teacher that found time to read to my students every, 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 every single day, even we go on a field trip. And I will be completely honest with you this school year. Um, that's not happened. Uh, it's maybe been once, once a week. Now they're reading, mm-hmm. but am I, you know, it's just, it's just been such a, a different year. We know. I just <laughs> it takes so much time. I often go home and I just go to sleep because in the past when I would find books, I would do that on my personal time. So then, you know, I've had to take my personal time back this year because this school year has been so stressed, stressful, um, kind of grabbing a book here and there. It's, there. it's been much less intentional this year. When I'm doing read aloud, it's more so I can just kind of expose them to more books through it versus me really being intentional and doing themes. Like I would do themes and things like that. I, I did one at the beginning of the school year and I haven't done one since. And it's just it's just because there's simply not enough time 
Um, and, you know, teachers are like, oh, well, people, parents would be like, oh, well, you get a planning period. Yeah, but we're in meetings a lot of times during those planning periods. We have to make copies. Uh, think about it. There's five or six teacher on the team. There's one copy machine. We're fighting for the copy machine. Don't let the copy machine jam. There's more time, right? Yeah. We'll contact parents. Like, so there's all these different things that go on during that 45 minute time. And there are some weeks where we maybe only have one or two days where we actually have time to do things. But then we also have paperwork for 504s or special education things that also take those time. And then sometimes we just need a break. <laughs> so I, going back to your question, I think teachers really want to. But yeah. there's so much pressure. Um, I know, and I probably, I, I think for the state of Texas, I would, I'm, I think I'd be safe to say that there's a thing called a reading block in each time. Like the reading time, the reading uh, instructional time is broken down minute by minute, where you have to do this, 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 this. And, you know, just in a realistic world, sometimes things you can get to those things. Sometimes you can't. And you got to move on if you don't buy any of your reading block, because then you got to go to your next subject. Because if you're not on your next subject, then you can get dinged by your principal, things like that. So there's just so much that makes it hard sometimes. I think obstacles that maybe can prevent teachers from doing what they really want to do and what's best for kids. Um yeah, that's my long answer to that. Yeah, but we needed that long answer. And I think it revealed um, quite a few things. And number one, I think that this pandemic or, yeah, this pandemic has shown us that we need to give teachers their flowers now because there's so much that you all do that I think that we were not, um, didn't have visibility to as parents or maybe we took for granted. Um, and just what you have to go through, because it sounds like, a specific book or something like that is not written into the curriculum. Like you have to make it work. You can, but then there'll be a specific book in the curriculum, but then you might have access to it. Okay. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of hurdles you have to jump through. There's a lot of blocks, right? And we all know as parents, the importance of fostering a love of reading, right? Mm -hmm. And it has to be done. And so where since quarantine, since we've been quarantined and and COVID and the pandemic and all that, we've been trying to, at least the parents that that I have access to, partner more with teachers to figure out, especially because we became kind of teachers at home, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) To an extent. I mean, as a teacher, you're you're probably like, y'all wasn't doing nothing nothing compared to what... (laughs) But we have to respect each each other's, you know, world in in that way. Um, But in trying to partner with teachers, we see that it is difficult um, and there's a lot of hurdles to teachers reading to our children. And so a lot of that um, has to be done at home. And that's the main reason why this community, this podcast and all this exists is to give parents the motivation and kind of shed light on those uh, those things that teachers deal with and our misconception that is always happening or it's easy for it to be done in school. Yeah. Right? And then to just reading at home. So then think about this. So um, let's say a kid that's in third grade right now. So 
their last normal year was kindergarten. Their teacher now has the responsibility of bringing them up to a third grade, fourth grade level, really, by the end of the year. Um, this is what a lot of teachers are under pressure for. Is, is, is like they need that support at home because I can tell you this. Um, one year I taught third grade, and I mean they just had a really awful teacher the previous year. So they pretty much had no school second grade. So when they came to me, they were still develop not developmentally first graders. And to grow when they leave, although they were third graders, they're expected to leave third grade on the fourth grade level. So whenever your what child your grade is in, they're expected to leave on that next level, not leave at the level like third grade. So my expectation was to grow children three years in one school year. And so the only kids who I made that happen, I can do two years, two years, I can do two years in one. All right. But the only kids that got three years, their parents are working with them at home. Their parents were reading with them at home. And as far as reading, I always tell my parents, just have them work on their reading or work on their letters, like first grade, recognize their letters, work on those foundational skills, because I can help with those other skills at school. But those are the only kids that grew that significant amount of time. The rest of them while they were in third grade, they left me at a third grade level. So they're leaving me behind. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, a lot of what we're going to see here the next few years, because this, my what didn't happen with the state, what they should have done is adjust the standards, push back the standards so everybody could kind of be on the same page. But my soapbox here real quick in education, someone always has to be behind. So they would never want to even the playing field for everyone. So, um, that is another reason why reading needs to go on at home. The other thing is uh, when we're reading, when they start to get to the third, fourth grade, when they start reading those higher level texts, the more books that they're exposed to, the better they're able to make connections. Like let's say they read a book about the solar system, right? So when they talk about the solar system in class, it's not a new concept. And they can just focus on, oh, the sun does this, the da-da-da-da-da. They don't have to figure out, oh, what's each planet? What's this? They already have a background knowledge of it. It helps them build connections. And then it also exposes them to more vocabulary. And of course, the more vocabulary they're exposed to um, can help them. And then I talk about this is what I've found is a lot of my students who struggle in reading, um, they also don't see the adults at home reading. And so that modeling. So I know I have a, a couple of friends and their kids hate reading. Well, their kids hate reading because it's like, oh, you need to go in there and read. They never see anybody in their house enjoying reading for, for pleasure. And that could even just be a newspaper, a magazine. They don't see that. Um, and that's one thing I can say about my household was my mom. She was books. She, we had our Jet magazine, Essence magazine, Ebony magazine, which my stepdad read them too, but he, my stepdad, I just always remember him. He had a newspaper. He always loved yeah. you know, reading a newspaper. So things like that, I think parents don't think that make a difference that does. Um, and even if it's an audiobook, audiobooks are books too. So even if you want to listen, you prefer listening to audiobooks, but it's that modeling thing also. So that I think when parents tell kids, oh, you need to go read, it sometimes can be like a punishment, you know? Yeah. 
or it's not fun because they're not seeing it as something fun, especially if they're struggling. Yeah, that's good. And thank you for saying that. that I think that is something that we talk about in the group all the time is the importance of not only encouraging your kids to read at home, modeling it for them. And then when we do read to them to make it fun and not make it feel like school, yeah. like asking them maybe the questions that like a teacher, you know, would ask, you know, we want it to be fun so that they enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and if you brought up, okay, so modeling reading is one of the ways that we can encourage our children to read, spending time with them and reading. And it's funny because I put out like, a, you know what, let's go back. Because you said something earlier, and I think this is a really good example. We were talking about testing. And this may be a conversation that we had like a, a several months ago. And you talked about um, leveling the like the playing field maybe with testing. And you said that there was a teacher that you came across. And she said that her student, her students came across a, a question about like an airplane. And some of the kids were struggling because they were not exposed to like a Boeing. Like it was, do you remember this at all? Maybe. Yeah. So it was like, they didn't, they didn't know what a Boeing was or they, like the seven force. It was something like that, but because some kids have been on an airplane or just even not even on an airplane, just have read about it or they, whatever the concept was, they could grasp it easier. It's also because here's another, something I know that I can remember is a basement. Now, mm-hmm. Um, we were reading about a basement or something in classes when I had my fifth graders and my kids are like, what's a basement? Because here in Texas, there's no basements. There, it was, you, it's very hard to find basements, at least mm-hmm. here in Dallas. I can't speak for all of Texas, Dallas. And so I had to go and like find pictures to explain it to them. This is what a basement is and like show them what it looks like. It's like, it's pretty much just another level of the house is just under the ground. And just me verbalizing that they couldn't, they had to see a visual with it. So it's like little stuff like that. You know, if they had read a book or something that had a basement in it, they would probably maybe go investigate what a basement was and things like that on their own or may or may not have, but they would have seen that word before. But it's like little things like that, that we don't think about that can, they're trying to figure out what a basement is. You yeah. have them a question about, well, what was so-and-so doing, but you don't know what a basement is. Yeah. So and their brain saying, power is kind of misplaced. Yes. Okay, so we did a poll in our group where we asked parents, if you're not reading to your children as much as you would like to, what are the reasons, right? And the top answers were not having enough time, which I, you know, try to help them with every single day in the community, and not finding diverse books. What do you think is the importance of diverse books in our homes? What what I keep thinking about is, is this time where I was looking, um, I had asked in a group of teachers if to give me like diverse authors, because I can find all the black books, right? But, you know, diversity is more than just black books. Right, right. And so, you know, what are your favorite authors of, you know, uh, BIPOC people, right? And um, this woman said, is the author important? Like, is the color of the author really important? And I'm just like, so one, when I look at the book, when I'm finding a book, I look at my class makeup. So who's in my class? Mm-hmm. So I try to make mm-hmm. sure I always have books that represent everyone. Like I have um, kids uh, that are, was it, I think South Asian, where they are Muslim. 
Um, so I have I find books that they can relate to. Um, of course, I have a, a large Latin uh, community, so I have books that they can relate to. I have my black students. I have books they can relate to, and then I have then I also put in that other culture, and it and it's just to expose them to different things and different ideas. Um, I think, and I and so what. Her name is Dia. She's ele- Elementary Adventure. Um, I'm familiar. On Instagram. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, like, really finding books, you know, I just wanted diverse books. Da, 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 da. And then she was like, you need to be intentional and make sure the author, not all the time, but make sure you're picking authors that represent the person in the book. So they're, 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 you'll get a more accurate representation of a piece of their culture because you're not getting the whole culture, a piece of their culture if it's written by a member of the culture. Yeah. So 100% the author makes a difference. And so I, especially if I'm doing like history months, I try to make sure that they are by the people from that country, that, uh, that culture because that is important. It's going to give you a, a more true representation. Um, and so, and I think books are just like for kids, it's an easy way to talk about or to just introduce like kind of tough subjects. I think it's more of the teachers who are scared to touch the subjects than the students are. Because when I had the fifth graders, my fifth graders, we would talk about racism all the time. And then we go to lunch. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be like, you know, we would have a discussion about a book. We talk about it and then we would move on. Like it wasn't some thing we talked about all day and it had this dark cloud over the classroom. Like, I can tell you this. <laughs> it was Christopher Columbus. We did a unit over Christopher Columbus. And my fifth graders were so upset that they felt that they had been lied to about who he was. That no, you know, just a true representation of, of who he was. They're like, they lied to us. Mm-hmm. And so kids want to know the truth. Kids know right from wrong. And so they can kind of, they can be more, they to me can understand the books, I think, and and understand right and wrong than the adults can. I think we, especially teachers and adults, we hold on to this idea of what we learned as a kid. A lot of things that we learned as kids were, weren't right. And yeah. so we want to continue that narrative. Kind of, uh, kind of an unconscious thing. Some of it is more conscious, but some of us, no, we want to continue that. And, and and I try to always tell people, me, me going to work and me reading those books is not about me. It's about them. Yeah. So I can't really. Sure, I was learning Christopher Columbus was an awesome dude. But guess what? He, he He's not. And there's. And the kids deserve a right to know about who people are and, and know kind of and let them form their own ideas. And so when I give them this information, I let them just take it and decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we'll have discussions on, you know, should he be celebrated? Should he not be celebrated? And not even just Christopher Columbus. That's just what come on the top of my head. But like with yeah, anything yeah. Um, that's kind of, I think. Some teachers don't want to touch. I think it's because they're they're scared of how it's going to make them feel. Hmm. And, okay. they, and it's not, and then you realize it's not about you. 
So I'm happy that how much I was able to expose my, especially my older students. I miss, I miss that. Just expose them to so many different things because I think it's going to allow them to be better people. Yeah. I can't change what goes on at home. You know, that home is that foundation, but I can kind of have a little influence on their character just a little bit. And I think books are an easy way to kind of have those tough discussions that don't aren't really tough. The only time to me they're tough, that they're the teachers who never have them. So yeah, it's gonna be awkward because you're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You know, and it's it's good that you say that. And I think that looking at like your Instagram and everything you talk about and watching your stories, I love how much you focus on like um, picture book biographies and like nonfiction, you know, for kids, um, especially um, I know like Black History Month, like your Instagram be on, <laughs> you know, and the things I remember when you taught fifth grade and the things that you exposed them to the different projects that you had them doing, like they were, they were gold. And a lot of parents um, may shy away from like nonfiction for their kids or picture book biographies, right? Because it seems like it'll be like heavy or too much information, you know, for them at a young age. But I think that, you know, if we just took a look like inside the book and not like focus like on trying to get through a whole book in one night and stuff like that, it'd be a little easier. What advice would you give to parents who are entering into like the nonfiction or picture book biography space with their kids? So first of all, if you're not reading any of those books, you're missing out. Because Mm -hmm. let me tell you, I have learned so much about people myself these last two or three years. Mm -hmm. These picture books that are super informative. And you're like, I tell when I had, I'm like, I tell my focus, I'm learning what you are. I don't know who this person is. This is so cool. It was really fun for them too. Um, And so if you have the younger kids, you know, yes, yeah, don't sit, you know, especially if they're longer, just do a little piece by piece or maybe, you know, show them a little video like um, uh, about the person. Like I know what the kids love that that whoosh, um, the one about oh, yes. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, show them a little video like on YouTube, like, hey, do you know what this is? Da, 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 da. Well, we're going to read a book about them. Like so mm-hmm. have them watch them a little video first about who they're going to to read about kind of like cooking them in. That's what I do with, especially with the younger ones. Even with the older ones, we would do it too. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid. Like they're awesome. They have so many biographies out now that, I mean, I mean, there's so many cool people, more people that, you know, that we can learn about. Like, just, yeah. And a lot of them are people of color because their stories were not shared. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's important to show that it wasn't just um, white people all the time inventing stuff and doing these amazing things. There mm-hmm. were Asian women. There were, um, uh, you know, Spanish, you know, there's uh, Hispanic men, Mexican men. I mean, there were everybody was doing awesome things. But we were because of the variety that we had or lack of variety we had, we didn't see that. And so I think it's good for the kids to see that, hey. You know, you can kind of do, you know, that, that, I don't know. It's just good for me. It's just good. I think it's good for them to see representation. Yeah. And, and whatever. So 
I mean, there's just so there's so many cool books. I know that you released a book list that I like gripped up as soon as it came out. I was so excited um, that you put out last year. Right. Um, What are. And so I will put up on the screen where you all can find this list. It's gold. And the way that Melissa broke it down and she even is it still up. You had a video up showing us how to use the list. Um, And that's really good, right? But it's broken down into sections. Like if you're looking for a book on friendship, um, you're looking for books on just any topic, I feel like Melissa has covered it. So I'll put that link up. If you had to name, well, I didn't warn you about this. I'm ready. Your your top three favorite picture books ever, what would they be? Okay. I don't know if I can do ever. I can do this year. <laughs> okay. But you have to tell us like what's your fit. Can you do like what? Give us this year. And then I'll ask my next question. Okay. So this year, one of my favorite ones was that I read. Or, yeah. That I read this year was uh, help wanted must love books. Okay. And it's a cute a picture book about this little girl whose dad, like he gets a new job and all of a sudden he doesn't have time to read to her anymore. At well, fairy tales, right? Yep. And so she uh, starts interv- interviewing for someone to take his place and it's super, super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, another book that I really enjoyed this year that had a surprising ending was This Is My Room, No Tigers Allowed. It's a cute, another cute little bedtime story, but my students really liked it. Um, and it's about like this little girl, she's uh, trying to sleep in her room by herself, but she keeps getting these unexpected guests. So mm-hmm. it was a really cute book. Um, let's see. I, I love me some Ada Twist. Yes. With scientists. And I, I love that series. I love that whole series. And I, I have not, unfortunately, gotten my hands on, uh, was it uh, The Illustrator? Is it, it's a new one. I think it's Aaron, The Illustrator. Aaron, Aaron Slater, The Illustrator. Yeah. I haven't got my yes. hands on that one just yet. So um, I know it's good, but I haven't read that one yet. But I like that series. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know about all time though. You don't know about all time. Okay, that's fair. A picture book that I read each year. I mean, it kind of varies. I like um what is it? Gracie, is it Gracie Jones? Uh it's about the elections. It's a series. Yes. That's from Andrea Beattie as well, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, you did kind of. Okay, I'll leave you alone, but I'm sure that you will find her favorite book on this book list. So I'm (laughs) I'm gonna put it up. I'm gonna put it up on the screen so you guys know know where to find it. Um, I've referred to it quite often. Um, It's really a list full of gold. Um, Is there anything else you want to share before we go, Melissa? Um. Just make reading fun with your kids. Don't yeah. make it a chore. You know, pick books that they like. If they um, let them kind of, you know, ask them what I what I do with my students. So this is one thing I do do with them. In the beginning of the school year, I ask them, like, what are the things that you like? And so then I'll find books around their interests. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they like Legos and 
give them books about Legos, you know, um, they like dinosaurs, you know, whatever. Um, find books around their interests first. Mm-hmm. Don't force them to read books that they may not like. So I would I would focus on that and then just like I said, make it fun. Like maybe have them read in a silly voice or have them like just just make it fun. Make mm-hmm. reading fun. Yes. I will use say your library. Use your library. Yes, use your library. It's so funny because uh, I put this on Instagram. Like I said, I think people think I have like this large book collection at home. And I really don't because I don't buy books. I check books out from the library. I have a very small personal collection. Now I'm with my students' books. I have way, I have probably way more kids' books, but um, my personal connection or uh, collection is very small. So I, I use the library. I remember one time you posted, maybe it was like an Instagram story, like crates. It was maybe like two crates full of books, like and they were all library books that you needed <laughs> you needed to take back. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, yeah. Use your library. Um, and that's it. That's it. All good tips. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs>